Welcome to the Future of Field Service podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Nicastro. We talk a lot on this podcast um, and across industry resources in service about the importance of soft skills and um, the increasing challenge of finding new employees with soft skills, um, upskilling and reskilling existing employees to um, grow their soft skills. And so today we're going to be talking about, um, is the soft skills gap growing? I'm excited to welcome back to the podcast, Lauren Winans, who is the CEO and Principal Consultant at Next Level Benefits. Um, Lauren, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Very excited. Great topic too. Looking forward to chat about this. Yeah, me too. Um, So for anyone that doesn't recognize Lauren, um, she was on the podcast for the first time, episode 132. So I will link that in the show notes for everyone. That episode, we were talking about building a compelling employee value proposition. Um, Lauren is, I would say, in the nature of people I interview on this podcast, close enough to call a neighbor. Um, She's in (laughs) Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, which is where my husband is from. So just two hours or so uh, down uh, Interstate 79. Um, So Lauren, before we get into our topic for today, just tell everyone a little bit about yourself, your background and next level benefits. Sure. So um, I um, kind of grew up in the HR industry, um, was in HR leadership roles for about 20 years, worked at a variety of different um, companies um, like General Nutrition Centers, American Eagle Outfitters, um, Consult Energy. Um, And so when I left the corporate world to start my consulting business about four years ago, um, I really had the intentions of focusing on employee benefits projects, but we quickly have scaled and and now are focused on um, projects related to all areas of HR. Um, And so Next Level Benefits is really a resource to you for um, any sort of HR expertise. We staff um, a variety of different um, HR experts that have at least 20 years of corporate HR experience. And so we can really be tactical as well as strategic advisory um, or really just kind of jump in and help you accelerate projects. So that's what we've we've been doing lately. And, um, you know, really happy to say that I'm coming up on a a four year anniversary here and it's been it's been wonderful. And I always love um, having a chance to talk with you, Sarah. So I'm super excited about our topic today because it's uh, it's a good one. Yeah, Uh, I'm excited as well and and happy you're back. Um, You know, to your point, even though you started with the focus of employee benefits in mind, you know, you really have not only practiced in the corporate world, but in your consulting firm work with companies across really all sorts of HR and talent issues. So there's a lot of different things we could talk about. When Lauren and I chat, we end up, you know, we could brainstorm 10 podcast topics. Um, (laughs) But the reason I wanted to focus on soft skills today is because, um, you know, in the conversations I have at the different future field service events that we've had across the globe, it's kind of a growing concern among service leaders of, on one hand, the need for soft skills seems to be increasing still, right? It's, um, I think, you know, on a, an incline starting a number of years ago, but continuing still to increase um, and being able to find those skills among employees, whether that's existing employees and sort of looking for ways to um, 
you know, nurture that in people, train people, um, upskill people, or whether that's looking for soft skills in employees that are coming into the workforce. Um, it just seems to be that the demand is growing, the ability to find or create those skills is increasingly challenging. Um, so I, I think, you know, it's a good area to focus on because uh, it's a pain point that we're, we're hearing about a lot. Um, so first, what I want to talk about is um, how in, in the HR or talent world, how do you define soft skills? You know, it's a good question because I think everyone kind of comes at it from a different place. You know, I kind of look at soft skills as, you know, the almost like the, the, the intangible, um, mm -hmm. you know, pieces of, um, you know, someone's skill set. You know, how, how good are they at communicating? Um, do they have any sort of emotional intelligence um, that they can deploy in a certain situation? Um, how good are they at problem solving? Um, are they adaptable? Do they work well with their team? Um, can they resolve conflict? You know, these are all kind of examples of soft skills. Um, so it's really, you know, it's not just about tactically, can they do the job? Mm -hmm. You know, technically, do they have the skill, the experience, the degree, the certification? It's really around, you know, can they um, provide more of a well-rounded experience to customers and other employees, coworkers that they're working with? Mm -hmm. um, you know, how good are they at that? And so that is what I look at is, is soft skills is it's those intangible you know, talents that not everyone necessarily has um, because they're harder to teach. Mm -hmm. um, and some people just innately and naturally can incorporate them into how they work. Um, and others really need a little bit more of a prescribed roadmap of how to incorporate that into their, their daily professions. Mm -hmm. So I think that um, intangible nature is what part of what makes it so challenging, right? Because, you know, when you're thinking about, okay, do they have this certification? Do they have this much experience? You know, those are things that are very easy to assess. Um, whereas, you know, soft skills, the fact that it is less, you know, um, black and white makes it a lot mm -hmm. tougher. Um, in our industry specifically, part of what's kind of creating this growing need um, or gap, if you will, is historically a lot of the jobs, and, and I'm generalizing for the sake of conversation, there's obviously industry to industry differences. But um, in general, a lot of the jobs historically were very technical in nature, you know, so and and the the work that was being done was very much a customer calls with a need, the technician is deployed to go and do that technical work and resolve the issue. Today, with the digital nature of a lot of the um, assets and equipment that people are working on, in many industries, the technical aptitude is actually, the need is decreasing. You know, it still has to be there in the sense that, you know, they are able to do what needs to be done, but it's a lot less you know, um, programming or, you know, really these, these super deep skills. However, um, service is also evolving to be more predictive, proactive, um, 
a lot of times subscription-based where the importance of relationship, i.e. soft skills, you know, comes into play and is increasing. So you have the challenge of these, you know, existing workers that are, are, were really good or are really good at that technical piece, but not necessarily good at, or maybe even interested in being good at the soft skills piece. Um, and then, you know, the other part of that, that we're hearing a lot of is um, that companies who are recruiting in younger workers, mm-hmm. they're lacking some of these soft skills because they're a lot, they don't want to have real conversations. They would rather text or, you know, uh, whatever. So um you know, it's kind of a challenge that is being created from many different angles. Um, So, all right. So I think one thing is companies need to think about while these traits are less tangible than some of the qualifications or certifications that they're looking for related to the industry, Mm -hmm. they probably need to work on putting language to it to some degree or defining what it is that is important for their roles, I would think, right? For sure. You know, I think I think what's challenging about today's job postings is it is very, um, you know, hey, this is what we're looking for. And it's a very, you know, measurable, um, you know, attribute or characteristic or piece of experience or certification that they're looking for. Mm-hmm. And then what is expected is once you bring that person into, you know, it, into the role, then the expectation is, oh, okay, well, here's, here's all the things you said you can do. Yep. That's part of the job. And now we want you to also interact with the customer in this way. Mm -hmm. Um, Or, and now we want you to manage this team of people. Mm -hmm. And what's happening is Almost like an afterthought. Yeah. The the articulation around the expectations from a soft skills perspective is really not incorporated in the job posting. Mm -hmm. And then therefore it, you know, then there are leaders and or other folks within an organization that then get, you know, disappointed with someone's, you know, uh, performance Mm -hmm. because they don't necessarily have something that was not articulated during Mm -hmm. the recruiting process to begin with. And so, you know, I wholeheartedly believe that, you know, job postings are like really that first step of ensuring that you're getting the talent that you you need, mm-hmm. you want, you deserve. And if you don't fully articulate what it is that the job entails and what you need to be successful in it, then you, you're, you're naturally going to end up with someone in that role that's not going to fit, that's not going to fit the bill. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I'm very much a proponent of, you know, being very clear and upfront about incorporating soft skills as a part of the job posting. I've even seen some that show hard skills, soft skills, Mm -hmm. experience, and then also what, what does it take to be successful in this position? Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I think most people out there are realistic um, about their shortcomings and what they're willing to do and what they're not willing to do. And I think if you lay it out there, you really are going to weed out the folks who probably are not the right fit. Mm-hmm. Um, you might find some folks that are kind of on the fence, but that's really what the recruiting process is for is to fully vet them out and then determine who rises to the top. Yeah. And so I think if, 
that being the starting point, Mm -hmm. I think would make things so much easier as you bring on new talent into the organization. You know, that doesn't explain away some of the upskilling that might need to happen with some existing talent, which I'm sure we're going to talk about today. But I think when you think about new talent coming into an organization, you've got to be clear about what your needs are. And that means as an organization, you have to know what you need out of this frontline um, you know, technician mm-hmm. yeah. or, or even your leaders. You need to know what you need out of them in order to articulate it, in order to find it. Mm-hmm. I should have thought to look this up before um, we started chatting because I'm not going to remember who to attribute it to. But a while back, I think I actually wrote um, an article on a post I saw um, on LinkedIn where uh, it was a video and the person, it was an author, I think, I just don't remember who it was. It might have been Adam Grant, was saying we need to stop calling them soft skills and start calling them human skills. And I think it's interesting because, you know, the point you're making is that we have this need for these skills. We have this challenge of the need increasing and the ability to find them, you know, becoming more complex. Yet we're probably not prioritizing um, articulating that in the job postings. And so we're continuing to allow it to be an afterthought because it mm-hmm. wasn't a need before. It's similar to, you know, when we talk to companies who are um, putting in place a new technology, mm-hmm. the biggest challenge they always have is change management. Always. I've been doing this for 15 years. That has always been the answer. It is still the answer. Yeah. Yet we're not getting ahead of it. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, (laughs) it's, but it's that it's the people part that is always complex. So we need to stop letting it be an afterthought and start, you know, putting more focus on it from the beginning. So the other thing I wanted to ask about is um, in the recruiting process. Okay. So as companies are bringing new talent in, We talked about making sure that we are articulating appropriately the expectations in a job posting. Um, And I could ask you 20 more questions on that, but I'm going to, I'm going to not let myself do that um, (laughs) for the sake of, of getting through some of the points that we wanted to get through. Um, But in the, you know, recruiting interviewing process, um, what are some of the, the, you know, questions, tools, tactics that companies can use to determine if a candidate either has the soft skills they're looking for or would be successfully able to be trained and equipped with those skills? You know, there's a variety of different um, tools out there and I'll just kind of lump them all together by calling them assessment tools. Mm-hmm. So there's ways that you can assess someone's just natural personality as well as what they deem to be important and an important part of their job by asking them a variety of questions in a survey format. Um, and you know, if you do that during the hiring process before you've even extended an offer, it does make it easy to kind of identify, okay, you know, this person, you know, is really technically sound and they will be able to do this job with their eyes closed. However, you know, based upon, you know, our assessment, um, they might not be a great leader. 
And mm -hmm. so if we bring them in, we need to know that up front. And we need to know that, you know, the, the career development path for this individual is going to include leadership training if they do indeed want to move forward in the organization. And so it's, you know, these assessment tools, I mean, there's, there's a variety of different ones. There's strength finders, there's disc, there's so many different um, OAD. There's so many different ones that you can deploy and it really, they all ultimately end up doing the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. They have a different delivery method. And of course, you know, there's different ways that you can um, interpret the results. So, you know, as a, as an organization, I would recommend if you're not using one of those assessment tools, it's absolutely worth it. Do you need to use it for every single, you know, open role? You don't have to, you could, it, and it absolutely is helpful in determining right fit and what blind spots that you might run into with that employee, should they be part of your organization. Um, but you could even just, you know, focus it on a, on a particular role or position that you want to ensure, you know, you have a balance between that technical and those human skills that are really necessary to, to complete the job. Mm -hmm. So those types of assessments I, I find are probably the best tools out there, you know, but there's also different things you can do in the recruiting process. You could do some sort of, you know, role player simulation, um, you know, where you can determine how would this person act in this particular situation. Um, you know, you can even go through different types of, you know, modeling and training that would help to kind of show, okay, there's something called storytelling um, modeling that can really kind of help um, inform exactly the thought process that a person mm -hmm. goes through during a certain situation. So, you know, if this person is a tech who is installing, um, you know, a certain piece of equipment in someone's residential home, you know, you present these different um problems that might occur and really kind of assess, you know, problem solving, communication with the customer, mm -hmm. you know, all these different things that you can kind of incorporate into that model to see, you know, how they do. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and I think that there's just, you know, we want the hiring process to go so quickly because we're all competing for talent. And we don't necessarily take the time sometimes to, to, to find out if that person is, is the right fit for us. Mm -hmm. So we want to put that offer out there before it's too late, before someone else has snatched them up, before they've accepted another offer. And while I can understand the competitive nature of that, I do think that that is the, a really big risk to organizations who then end up on the flip side of this, which is, okay, now I have these people as employees, but they're not necessarily performing the way I want them to. Now, how, what do I do mm -hmm. now? How do I get, you know, this person who's technically sound, but has no interest in having a dialogue with, you know, anyone, whether it be a coworker, leader or customer. So it's really, um, it's interesting because the tools are helpful to a point but you as an organization need to develop a process and an understanding around them that then allows you to take what you've learned from the tool and then decide how you're going to, what you're going to do about it and, mm -hmm. and who you're looking for, because you're never going to find the perfect, the perfect candidate, but you can always find someone who's almost there and mm -hmm. who just needs that little extra bit of training or coaching to get them to the place that, that is helpful for um, the team at large. Yeah. So on that point, um, the next question I wanted to ask you is, you know, are there, I guess, best practices or, you know, um, suggested programs, methods that are 
known to be effective in training and developing soft skills? To be honest with you, no. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's part of the conundrum that we're in. So there's a variety of assessment tools out there, like I mentioned. I even mentioned a few names. I, I, I feel really comfortable that given the right circumstances, you really can use those assessment tools in a way that does help you kind of read between the lines to leverage it for, for, for soft skills um, and identifying what soft skills may be there, may be present, may, may not be present. But I have yet to come across a tool dedicated specifically to, to soft skill assessment and have it be something that is really an effective means of making decision-making for recruitment mm-hmm. um, and even for identifying, you know, areas of training that's necessary mm-hmm. um, for an existing employee. So, and because of that, it doesn't mean they're not out there. It just means I haven't come across them. I haven't had the experience of using them, of leveraging them or having a client that has done so. Mm-hmm. And so that's part of the problem. Um what I always recommend because of where we're at in this, this whole, this whole conversation is, you know, leverage the tools that you have and make sure that you have, you know, some talented individuals, whether that's in your HR team or whether it's someone in your, you know, recruiting process, maybe it's someone consultant contractor, maybe it's a vendor that you can put in place in that process that can help take the tools you're using and be able to read between the lines to create something that is, you know, important and integral to identifying, um, you know, soft skills, um, you know, presence or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that is probably the band-aid that we are all going to have to operate within until there is a really great model out there, structure, tool, what have you, that is doing this better than everything else that's mm-hmm. out there. Um, and also to, to think about soft skills as being, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to measure. It mm-hmm. does, it's more of an art than it is a science. And we all know, I mean, at least in my opinion, you know, humans make the best art. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. I, I, I do think that, you know, it's going to be a while before there is, um, a soft skill generator out there that you could just type in your profile and figure out which soft, soft skills you're great at. Um, you know, it's, it does take a little bit of teasing and pulling and assessing and analyzing to, Mm -hmm. um, to really come to the right conclusion, particularly when you're deciding whether or not to hire someone or whether or not to put them through, through training. Yeah. Now, what about the training itself? So are there recommendations on soft skills trainings that work in terms of whether it's a new hire or continual improvement, um, or upskilling, you know, existing workers. Yeah. You know, I'm always a proponent of identifying your internal talent. Um, sometimes people are just in the wrong job, you know, and, um, you know, there's opportunities to provide them with, um, a development, um, a development course, um, some career coaching, um, you know, emotional intelligence training, or, you know, some sort of, um, management around mindfulness, stress management. Sometimes all it takes is a little encouragement, a little coaching, um, a little bit more of an exchange with them to identify what really is the roadblock to their success mm-hmm. um, or to them being able to um, you know, rise above their peers. And so I, I believe that 
you know, through partnership um, with uh, human resources teams that you have at your disposal, there can be a great, um, you know, internal push for identifying talent that is, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, the first line of this is reaching out to, you know, all leaders within an organization to identify that technical talent. Mm-hmm. Who's best technically? Now, can we take this a step further and identify, okay, who might need a little bit of coaching um, and, and or training to get to the next level? And what does that look like? Is it, okay, these four individuals need some conflict resolution training and some, you know, training on how to lead a small team. Mm-hmm. You know, this, th- this individual needs more, um, you know, open communication, you know, skills. And so let's send them to training related to communication. I, I know that that takes a lot of time and effort. It really, really does. Um, but if you're, if you're dedicated to really creating um, a culture that is inclusive and supportive and focused on career development, you can make that work. It mm-hmm. does, it, it can be done. Um, and so that's my, that's usually my default is, can you promote from within? Can you, um, you know, meet with these employees that you've identified as, you know, high potentials or strong stars and identify maybe some areas of opportunity that you can then really isolate what the training would be that would be helpful and impactful to them. Mm-hmm. That's what I believe is probably, well, I shouldn't even say probably, cause I know it is the best way mm-hmm. to, um, to elevate the talent you already have in the organization. And it's also the less costly way to do it Mm -hmm. because with turnover and the more people you're having to bring in and then find out they're not the right fit and have to, you know, separate them and rehire more. It's, it ends up being actually more costly and more challenging than to just upskill your people. Mm -hmm. Um, So when it comes to training though, you know, some things that I really, you know, rely on when we're working with clients is really, you know, some of the things I mentioned around role-playing, you know, emotional intelligence training is something that's really starting to take off in, in, in the training space around, um, you know, just a trend that is something that people are looking more for, mm-hmm. not only to be great leaders, but also to know how to interact with either clients or customers, um, regardless of what industry you're in. Um, and so that is something that if you're not already offering something like that, that can be something that's very beneficial because that really does incorporate, you know, how to, assess a situation, identify your own emotions, identify someone else's emotions. Mm -hmm. And quite frankly, it leads to conflict resolution. It also leads to, um, you know, better understanding your role in a process, which Mm -hmm. allows you to know what what authority you have and autonomy you have and what you can bring to the table. So there's so many different like things you can explore, but I am definitely of the mindset of trying to customize it mm-hmm. to the different employees that you've identified as talented individuals. Yeah. And then I know I'm probably going off a little bit on this because this is one of my favorite topics, but I also feel that if, if you have a larger workforce that is all doing the same thing, Um, creating some sort of mentorship program is also a great way to start to bring some um, folks along um, 
through the process without mm-hmm. having to invest a ton of training dollars in them immediately. Um, and I also think, you know, developing, developing some sort of, I'm going to call it like an internship program, but that's not really what I mean. I mean more of like a development type program. Mm-hmm. You can also create stuff like that, that allows um, employees to maybe kind of round robin, um, you know, and understand, okay, here's what my job really is. And this is how it interacts with this person. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now I'm going to go over for a couple of weeks and act like I'm doing that job. How does that interact with me? What would be better for me to be doing with that person to get a better efficiency in working on this project or this client or this account or what have you. And so there's so many different ways you can take it. It really just takes some time and effort to develop um, a game plan and figure Mm -hmm. out how you're going to execute it. And um, you know, what's, what's the best way to kind of position your employees for success. Yeah. No, I like the point you made about sort of individualizing, you know, coaching or training of high potential employees that you want to upskill based on their specific, you know, um, strengths and areas of opportunity. I know that companies in the service space are a lot of them are starting to offer soft skills training, like proactively and regularly, but I'm thinking maybe it would be interesting to sort of pull them and see what are they using? Are they doing it themselves? And if so, what sort of um, methods or, you know, whatever. Um, But the round robin point you made is interesting too, because um, at our event in Paris this year, um, Culligan was one of the speakers. And we, the conversation was around the partnership between business and IT, but we ended up talking about how um, in service, you know, it's so important for everyone to understand the perspective of the customer, mm-hmm. which obviously that understanding is part of soft skills, right? Having empathy, you know, et cetera. And they do, um, I think they said a, a customer centricity month where employees from all different functions and areas of the business spend time with shadow, you know, work alongside customer facing roles. And so it might even be interest interesting. I love that idea because it's a way to, I think, give those frontline employees some recognition of their importance, but also give people perspective of what comes up and, you know, the scope of their jobs, et cetera. You could even do that within the service function, though, you know, as a way to sort of expose people to different things and, you know, that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's certainly no easy answer or one size fits all approach. But, um, you know, I do think that the, you know, takeaways so far, thinking about not allowing the need for this to be an afterthought when you're posting jobs, when you're, you know, in the interview process, using some assessments, um, but then, you know, not only training at whatever degree you incorporate training for all employees, but, you know, the career pathing, essentially. So finding ways to really maximize the value of the employees who are you know, inclined to do more and advance and grow. Um, 
Yeah. It's interesting. It is, you know, and I, I wish there was an easier answer to all of this. And I'd be so curious to hear, um, you know, what, what those who might be using some soft skill training are, are doing, I would, would venture to guess most of them are probably doing some sort of hybrid version, mm-hmm. um, maybe leveraging some assessment tools they're already using and maybe some training partners that they already have and kind of, you know, building a bridge um, would be my my hunch. Um, I do know that some of the assessment um, tool providers are starting to dig deeper into the soft skill space to incorporate mm-hmm. more questions related to that um, into their surveys. Um, and then also to uh, train those who are facilitating these surveys to dig deeper and to analyze that information in a, um, a more thorough way. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's on the doorstep. It's so close, but unfortunately it this is all about critical thinking in terms of mm-hmm. kind of piecing all of these parts together to develop something in the immediate that's going to be useful for your company. Yeah. So it's interesting, you know, um, one of the reasons I mentioned the decline in the need for this really advanced technical capability and the um, increase in the need of soft skills. And a lot of that has to do with technology and the fact that, you know, as different equipment and, you know, areas that service organizations are working in have become more sophisticated, um, you know, the need for those deep technical skill sets in some industries has reduced. But I also think that that evolution is why the need for soft skills is so, so strong because, you know, we have to somehow balance out the use of technology and AI with, you know, humans. Um, I remember a few years ago being at a conference with a woman, um, from IBM who shared, you know, a lesson learned in terms of they went too far with automating um, in customer service and really learned the hard way that they needed to pull back. Like it worked, but customers weren't happy with it. Right. So um, I don't know. What are your thoughts on how sort of technology and automation, um, are maybe growing or exacerbating the uh, soft skills gap? I mean, it's definitely a play um, playing here. It's definitely a factor. It's definitely something that if we don't kind of get a handle on, it's going to maybe get out of control a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, I feel pretty passionately that, um, that particularly when it comes to you know, service industry, it's, it's so important to treat people with the respect that you feel that you should receive. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there's, there's certain companies that I've had wonderful experiences with, and I will continue to frequent them because I feel good when I'm interacting with someone who works there. And so I think that is, is naturally going to be the competitive edge that's going to start happening here because the competition, the competitive edge is not going to be who has the best AI. It's going to be all the same, right? It's going to be, it's going to all be relatively the same tools. We're going to be able to solve for some of those issues that are really, we're really struggling with now that we're spending a lot of time on. So you're going to naturally have to figure out how do I compete and how do I, how do we set ourselves apart 
And I think what, you know, has been a learned trait for, for decades, but particularly probably became more um, apparent, uh, especially over the last handful of years, has really been, you know, a customer doesn't, is not going to have the same level of loyalty um, that they may have had in the past because they just have too many options mm-hmm. and they're looking for something that it fits with their lifestyle, with their schedule, with, you know, their price point. And so what can you do to set yourself apart? And so I really do believe soft skills is going to be important, like mm-hmm. really, really important. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're not able to, um, you know, find ways to, get ahead of what technology, I mean, technology might leap, you know, way too quick and we might be having to play catch up regardless. But I think now's the time to think about what type of soft skill training do we have? Mm -hmm. What type of gaps do we have? Can we do something that's even a little baby step towards getting us towards a bigger goal of, you know, training everyone within this particular position with this type of, you know, emotional intelligence training. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I just feel really, um, part of me is scared. Part of me is nervous, um, that, you know, with the evolution of technology and AI, that even some of the, you know, most loved brands and companies that I frequent are going to fall behind in, in, you know, treating customers with the utmost care Mm -hmm. because it's going to be too hard to, to, to juggle all of it. Mm-hmm. But I feel really compelled to, you know, believe that there are leaders out there, there are companies out there that are, you know, I- I- intending on getting ahead of all of this. Um, and intending on thinking about even, you know, younger generations as they start to enter the workforce and the type of training and, you know, necessary development that's going to be required, um, you know, because we're going to be bringing in generations into the workforce that have known nothing but um, you know, the technology that we have today, um, and the AI that we're going to have tomorrow. And so it's, it's natural that we're going to have to evolve. We've done it before. We'll do it again. It's Mm -hmm. not like it's going to be a hurdle. That's going to be insurmountable, but I do think that, um, you know, now's the time to start thinking about it, um, and putting some game plans in place. Yeah. No, that's a good point. I mean, we've gone through an era where technology was the competitive advantage, but as you know, it reach reaches functional parity and and things sort of equalize, the human piece will likely be the competitive advantage again. So yeah. not losing sight of that. Um, no, it's a good point. I a few months ago, maybe not even that long, wrote an article about an experience that I had um traveling uh with United. Um, and, you know, I waited a few weeks before I wrote the article, because when the situation happened, it would have, it would have come off a totally different way. (laughs) And I tried to be fair, you know, I tried to be fair, I've been flying United for a few years. And, um, you know, I'm the highest level of United status. So we know I fly a lot. And, you know, I started by talking about the fact that the work that they've put into the intelligence in their app is tremendous. I remember what it was like a few years ago, what it's like today, the way that, you know, genuinely in most scenarios, waiting in line at an airport to speak to a United agent at this point is a waste of your time, like 90 plus percent. 
if you have the app and you use it, like they've probably already texted you the solution to the problem you're waiting to speak to someone <laughs> about. Like it's really, really good, really good baggage, all of it. Like it, you know, it's great. But in this situation, you know, things escalated to a point where I really did need actual human customer service and it was horrendous. And the fact that if the, if the AI and the app is that good, and I've gotten to the point where I actually need someone, I've gone through quite a bit. And I mean, just the lack of empathy, the, you know, I mean, it was just atrocious. And it's so it's a really, I think, you know, storybook example of exactly what we're talking about, like, they've put so much effort into this piece. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, maybe at the detriment of paying attention to, you know, okay, well, when someone does get through to an agent, you know, how are we treating that person? And, you know, so yeah, I think it's definitely something to be cautious of. Um, because you, you, the reality is you have to be good at all of it. You know, there's, you can't pick or choose, you know, I mean, you really have to do it all. And that's just the way it is. Mm -hmm. Um, when I reached out to you, uh, to do this podcast, I shared with you, um, a study that I thought was interesting. And it was about how more and more companies are using AI in their hiring process. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that made me think, well, interesting. So (laughs) if we're talking about soft skills, i.e. human skills, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So how would that work? You know, I was just curious. So I'm interested, you know, are you seeing a uptick in the use of AI in, you know, recruiting and hiring? um, And what risk is there in that, I guess, related to soft skills specifically? You know, I'm, so I'm seeing a lot of intrigue as it relates to using AI. In, in the recruiting process, not necessarily anyone fully deploying it or leveraging just AI to source candidates or, you know, get interviews taken care of, none of that. So it's not to say it's not happening. Um, and I'm certain it is happening. Um, but what, you know, my position is on that is really around, I can see AI being helpful to take out the you know, mundane tasks that um, are part of the recruiting process, which would then free up the recruiter and or hiring manager and or interview team to really focus their time and effort um, on vetting the employee that's coming in. Um, that is what I envision to be the dream scenario, but I I know that that's not necessarily going to pan out for every organization. They're going to use AI to maybe cut some corners to get offers out faster and potentially to, you know, uh, even reduce their recruiting staff in order to do it. Um, And I don't, I don't think that there's a lot of companies that have jumped in both feet at this point, But you have to also think about some of the applicant tracking systems that we're using today are even kind of weeding out some really fantastic candidates just Mm -hmm. simply through keyword search. Um, And so, you know, a a version of it's already existing within our recruiting processes today that could be, you know, really overlooking some talented individuals that you would want to be in that process. Mm So I'm hesitant with using AI in the recruiting process, but 
I do feel that, you know, if, if used and deployed in the right way, it will actually provide you, you meaning whoever's with a part of the process, more time to, to fully leverage. Okay. Let's, let's get this person taking this tool. Okay. Here's what their results were. I want to, I have four follow-up questions now. Mm -hmm. I want to go back and schedule some more time with them. Um, you know, Oh, look, they, they might need this additional training. Let's incorporate that into their first, you know, 60 days within the organization. Let's update that, you know, in the onboarding process for this particular person. There's, there's so many ways that you, when you free up that time that you could be using it in, in a better way. Mm -hmm. I, I just hope that the right, um, the right tasks in the recruiting process um, are tackled by AI and not necessarily the human components that should, should still exist. Yeah. Which I think is um, very much parallels what we would say about service as well. You know, I mean, it's an incredibly valuable tool that companies are using and, you know, there's many, many areas that they could, you know, grow in their use of all with the goal of, you know, automating the the mundane or not even the mundane but you know the um the manual non-value add tasks that you know really don't warrant a human's attention or time um mm -hmm. but all in an effort to give you know those frontline employees more time to spend with customers to right. you know do the things that people care about so i guess it's the same sort of idea of it is. balancing, you know, where can it help while still allowing us to achieve our outcome? And where does it cross over into, you know, um, diminishing the result of what we're trying to do? And as um, for anything, especially technology, I would venture to guess that we will go too far mm -hmm. <laughs> on the tech side and learn the hard way and pull back. And yeah it's probably just something we should expect, but if we're in a position to be able to affect change in that way, I, I, I hope people take the opportunity to do that. You know, and it's interesting that you say that because this is why, again, this would be a separate conversation, but this is why leadership is so important and soft skills and empathy, because it's all, you know, comes back to the eye of the person that is, driving the strategy, right? If it's, yeah. can we cut our recruiting staff by 50%, you know, you're going to get a, a different outcome, then, yeah. you know, could we use a tool to vet our job descriptions and make sure that, you know, we're casting a widest net or we're doing X, Y, or Z, you know, it makes me think. So IFS has a um, planning and scheduling optimization tool that is AI based. And um, it's, really cool to see how it works. It takes into account all of these different factors and just runs all the time to get people to uh, the best possible place given all of those criteria. But at our event in uh, the UK in May, um, there was a gentleman there from Mighty Fire and Security who they had just recently um, put the tool in place and I had never heard this come up, but he said, oh, one of the biggest benefits we've seen from PSO is we've used it to allow our technicians to set their own start and end time every day because some want to drop their kids off at school and they might want to start at nine or nine 30, but they want to be done at this time. Others, you know, want to come in earlier, be done. 
And he was like the impact it's had on their mental health, you know, and I just thought what a positive use of that technology to put power back in the hands of the employees Mm -hmm. to use it in a way that still allows the company to achieve its outcome of efficiency and productivity, but gives them the ability to say, yeah, I want to start my day at nine and end at five, or I want to, you know, start at seven, end at three, whatever. I just thought that was such a good example of technology used well, because the person in charge has that human lens to it, right? It's not just about how can we get two extra trips out of every person per day, Mm -hmm. but also how can we use this in a way that helps our employees and makes their lives better. I just thought that was such a good example, you know? And and that's the perspective too of a leader who, or a strategist who is focused, not necessarily on driving the top line, but is focused on minimizing expenses because the turnover that you will have, if you don't think about employees as human beings is going to cost you so much more than if you just look at, at each tool, each piece of technology, each process, each policy, and think with the lens of, will this help or hurt mm-hmm. the employee? Because the employees are, are what's going to drive your business. They're what's going to you know be there to, to provide whatever support is necessary to your clients or your customers. And you know, until further notice, there's no robots walking around. So mm-hmm. you're, it would be in your best interest to leverage technology in a way that is going to get you the most out of your employees while providing them with something that makes them want to stay, that yeah. makes them want to be there every day working for you. Yeah, um, it's, it's really something when someone's doing it right, it's, mm-hmm. it's really an aha moment. And hopefully more people will take advantage of using the tool just like that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right. I know we are just about out of time. So anything else, any final thoughts for companies that are concerned about the soft skills gap growing? You know, my my encouragement here would really just be, you know, start the conversation if you already haven't. Right. You know, so make sure that this isn't something that catches you by surprise. Um, it needs to be something that's talked about so that it becomes an organizational goal so that there's more, you know, cross-functional partners that are working together to, to realize, um, Hey, we've got to make some changes. We need to be prepared to deepen our skill set when it comes to soft skills. Um, in addition to maintaining the expertise, um, on the technical side. So, you know, if you take anything away, I would say, you know, start the conversation if it's not already been started, um, and deepen it if it's already been started. There's there's so much to do in this space and it's going to take time, effort, and energy from a variety of different sources, not just an HR team, um, but HR should be able to play a very valid and, and um, competitive role in helping you determine the best way to tackle this. Mm-hmm. Good, good advice. All right, well, Lauren, thank you so much for coming back. I appreciate it. It's always a pleasure to talk with you. Thank you. I appreciate you inviting me. Always, always willing to talk about something people related. I love it. Absolutely. We'll do it again sometime. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you. You can find more by visiting us at futureoffieldservice.com. While you're there, be sure to sign up for the Future of Field Service Insider so that you can stay up to date on all of the latest articles and podcasts. 
The Future of Field Service podcast is published in partnership with IFS. You can learn more at ifs.com. As always, thank you for listening.